Welcome to The Growing Edge, a podcast where we explore the way life forever invites us to grow into new challenges, new adventures, and new opportunities. I'm Parker Palmer. Hi, and I'm Carrie Newcomer, and you're invited to join us here, growing toward the light, even in times of darkness. To the words and To us and how we live between the words. Well, Parker, this is our third podcast, and I've been looking so forward to this conversation. I'd like to start out with a quote from our friend, the poet Mark Nepo. The simple rose, at each moment of its slow blossoming, is as open as it can be. The same is true of our lives. I love that quote. Well, I remember when you uh, when you found that quote, Carrie, in uh, in Mark's new book, I think, and uh, you sent it to me, and I was very struck with it. And I, I remember talking with you about those words from Mark, and and together we realized how often we think of personal and spiritual growth as as an effort to achieve some goal in the future, and of course that's that's always well worth doing, but. We concluded that it's equally important to look back and celebrate the growth we've achieved over the past maybe five or ten years in that process of slow blossoming that Mark refers to, um, a process that we're barely aware of. Yeah, and, you know, I, I really love this quote when we began talking about it, that, you know, so often... So often we're looking forward, and, and there is something really important to looking forward and having goals. Um, but it's easy to get um, stuck there, kind of impatient about, why am I not there yet? I, I should have been enlightened like maybe last Tuesday. That would have been good. <laughs> right. right. Yeah, Tuesday <laughs> you know, was my day too. So it seemed like a, a great way to launch into our October question of the month, which is, what do you want to name and claim as the way you are flowering today that you could only hope for in the past? What do you want to celebrate about the way your life has opened as it reaches for the sun? You know, the reason I love that question so much, Carrie, is, is that it puts an emphasis on looking back and naming and claiming growth that we may have achieved, but we ignore because it's it's over and done with. And we in this culture especially, we stay so focused on the next goal to be achieved. And, the, and that results in a kind of effortful life where we're always straining for this or that. And I, I think we often lose the benefit of past growth by not naming it and claiming it. So the invitation really today for the folks who tune into our website and who listen to this podcast is for them to to do their own looking back and to write about, to talk about um, a, a piece of spiritual or personal growth that uh, that is theirs today, that they, they live in and into today, that maybe 10 years ago they could barely imagine ever, ever achieving. Um, it, it's, it's a sort of way of saying that personal and spiritual growth is, is not only about goals to be achieved, but it's also about gifts to be received. And I think in this American workaholic culture, we sometimes tend to work so hard on ourselves 
that we miss all of the gifts of life that we could receive if we'd only relax a little. You you do a lot more meditating than I do, but I, I think that's what meditation is all about. Am I, am I right about that? Well, you know, I think there's a lot of things that are involved with meditation, but yes, I think that's one of them. And, um, you know, I think it's really important, the idea of being in process, you know, that... Hmm. Um, I'm right here. I'm right here uh, uh, in the middle of this process of of being a human and growing as a human being. And what is it that I can look back and I can use as also as encouragement and uh, you know information, um, you know even inspiration for the next thing I'm I'm trying to do. Yeah, there's a certain sense of of compassion about it. And and as you said, celebrating, it's like, wow, you know, I, I have come a long way and I, I do have things that I can really claim and name and use as I'm going forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, you know, because we've been talking about hope on this podcast a lot, you know, being able to use that as we think about the fierce urgency of now and, mm-hmm. and what is it that, that we want to do in our daily lives today. So, so yeah, that idea of balance. Mm-hmm. I really like the notion that doing this kind of looking back and celebrating, sort of retelling our stories in an affirming way, which is totally honest because it involves growth we have, in fact, achieved. Your notion that that's a kind of compassion for self, I like that a lot. Because I think in a, in a workaholic culture where we work away at everything, we can get to the self-punishing point pretty quickly. Like, I'm not there yet. I'm not there yet. What's wrong with me? And yet we are, in a, in a variety of ways, at places where 10 years ago we weren't. And it's a wonderful thing to, to name and claim that. Um, I, I've been thinking, for example, about, about pieces of my own life that fit that model ever since you and I talked. Um, one, of, one of them that has come to me pretty powerfully has to do with the experiences of depression that I've written about and talked about even on this podcast, those three deep dives I made in my adult life into a real profound clinical depression. And I think it's interesting for me to realize that while it took me sort of three returns to, to that particular school of life to do it, I became more and more sensitive to the the signs of impending depression. Mm. Um, I I developed a sort of distant early warning system that um, allows me to pick up little clues about, oh, oh, I may be headed down that path again. But it's it's a kind of awareness that doesn't frighten me because it gives me a chance to get ahead of the train wreck. If I'm observant, if I stand back and ask myself, what's this all about? that I'm starting to feel down or blue and I don't quite know why, I can often identify the reason why and I can do something about it. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there's, yeah. a, there's, there's a problem I need to solve. There's, there's a stuckness in my work that mm-hmm. I need to find some way to open up. Or there's a person I need to talk to, uh, either to talk directly to them about yeah. something that's happened that's very troubling to me, 
or ask their forgiveness for something I've done that I know is troubling to them. Um, maybe I need to get away from my computer for a while and spend more time in the woods, which I'm very aware of because I did that just recently. So I think, you know, for me, a very important piece of spiritual growth, personal growth, has, has been to develop that distant early warning system, which often only comes from hard experience. And, and when you can do that, you sort of reframe that hard experience into something terrible that happened to you that you wish had never happened in, yeah. into a sense of, oh, that's where I had to go to learn what I now know. And I'm, I'm glad for what I now know. Yeah, and I, I, I really appreciate that idea of the distant early warning system that you, know, you develop because you've had these experiences and the idea that it does reframe those experiences. Things were very difficult and, and challenging. In a way, they're, they're kind of redeemed by what they bring to mm-hmm. my life now, the things I learned from them. Yeah, there's a there's a new reframe when I claim them in that way, and now I know. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking, you know, you were talking personally about the experience of clinical depression, and I'm going to take it on a, a a different tack here, and and because I was thinking about my my vocation and different things that I learned as a process, as in terms of being an artist and being a songwriter, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. there's been a progression. <laughs> I think I have like 16 or 17 albums. And what that means is uh, I'm officially old. Um, but <laughs> other than that, it means you're that... Not, you're not officially old. <laughs> I'm officially old. But I, I, I guess, or, or prolific. I'm not sure which one that is. But, but what that does is that means that you have to become very comfortable with your growth being public. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you have mm-hmm. this trail of, of works behind you. And it's like, oh, that's when she figured out never, ever try to uh, rhyme bunches. Just don't do it. <laughs> Just don't. <laughs> right. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that. <laughs> not even with lunches? No, never, even, no, never, never, never. Okay. Or orange. Never try to rhyme orange. It's just a <laughs> right. bad idea. Um, but, yeah, and also just there's there, there's been a, a personal growth. I write I write from my heart and I write from my experience and becoming comfortable with those early works. You know, I, I know artists that just want to like take their early works and uh, put them in a box and send them to the bottom of the sea, you know, but I think there's really something valid there. It's like, you know, that was my, that was my 21 year old self and she had something to say and it was completely mm-hmm. valid. And, yes. and it's interesting to be able to look back that way. Yeah, um, it's, and it's a way of honoring yourself at that age and at the next age and the next age and the next age. And and also then having this perspective of each one of uh, the recordings I've put out, I find that I'm always intuiting the next place that I have to grow. Mm-hmm. You know, I never write from what I, you know, I, I've got the answer here. I'm always writing from the next question. and mm-hmm. And that's been interesting for me to see as well as... I look back on this kind of trail of, you know, works of art, how growth happened, and right. and, and that it was all right. Right, exactly. And I, I think, you know, one of the things I pick up from what you just said, Carrie, has to do with the vulnerability that we all know in one way or another of being in the world as who we really are. And when you're making records or you're writing books, 
um, that's that's one way to to uh, experience that vulnerability, because as a as a writer of books, I, I get my critics, and I remember very early in my writing career being super sensitive to criticism, and being really unable to distinguish between criticism that was irresponsible and just mean-spirited and criticism from which I could actually learn something, that, that I had to learn to, to say what I had to say better or I had to learn new things to say that were closer to the mark of, of, of experience for most people. Um, and I, I think one of, the, one of the things that I celebrate in my life is a growing capacity, I don't think I'll ever be finished with this, to really read critical commentary and grow in ways that some of those criticisms are calling me to grow while walking past others, which um, happen just because we live in, a, in, a, in a, uh, uh, an online culture that kind of gives permission for mean-spiritedness. Um, that, for me, that's been a very important dimension of, of growth. In fact, looking back, I'm kind of surprised that as a thin-skinned person, I ever decided to take the risk of writing a book in the first place where I, you know, <laughs> took, took stands on important, on important issues that I knew would be contentious with people. Um, I, I, have, I have to celebrate whatever that youthful... Uh, willingness was maybe foolhardiness. Maybe I just didn't know what I was getting into. Uh, <laughs> so sometimes ignorance is bliss, or you know, the the innocent will be protected in one way or another. Um, but that's to celebrate that kind of growth. And and other people know this in yeah. their own way. I mean, to raise a teenager is an exercise in vulnerability if you're the parent. Um, because the teenager is feeling terribly vulnerable, herself or himself, and that bounces around in parent-child relationships in sometimes some pretty difficult ways. So I don't. Yeah. It, it's not only folks who write music and write books who experience vulnerability. Oh, no. It's all of us in one way or another. Yeah, all of us in one way or another. Um, we're coming at it from our own personal experiences. Um, in terms of our vocations, but I think that really does apply to all human beings. It's a risk when you make yourself vulnerable, when you decide to step out and do something that feels risky or uh, revealing of who you really are and, and what you really believe. And people have mentioned to me, you're a folk singer, you must be okay with risk-taking. <laughs> You've chosen to spend your life as a traveling folk singer. You must be just fine with that. And there's nothing further from the truth. I mean, I'm, I'm the last person who would bungee jump. I'm just telling you that <laughs> right here. The absolute last person. Um, but I do have a great love and passion for art, for the kind of topics I'm writing about for people. I mean, really, I just love people and the people I encounter through this work. And so it's worth the risk. And so many times, again, looking back, going back to our question, looking back all the times when I went ahead and did that thing that just felt really risky at the time, and there was something inside me that said, you know, because it feels really risky, I think that's actually mm -hmm. what's telling me it's what I need to do. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I sometimes think that's a, a real clue to true vocation. If, if you feel the risk level is high, that means be, it, it, that at some level you also feel that what you're doing is important and worthwhile, and you're being called to do it, and even though it feels... It. And you're yeah. in it. And, and you're and in it. Y- yeah. There's no way out. I think, don't you have a line about something about there, you know, always had to follow a song? Oh, um, yeah. It's in a song called I Believe. Mm-hmm. Um, that uh, it was never really a choice. Never really a choice. That's the line yeah. I was looking for, yeah. You know, because that's how true vocation feels. It's, it's like, you know, maybe I shouldn't do this. It feels very risky. But I don't really have a choice. So... Uh, I think that's another way of talking about reframing one's story and celebrating one's one's growth to look how far one has come in that regard. I think what you're what you're saying about vulnerability and and um, I'm just, I'm still hung up on the I'm you're not a bungee jumper. <laughs> I, 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 I believe that. And I don't even same... <laughs> I don't even do roller coasters. I'm just telling you. <laughs> and yet at the at the same time at the same time I I watch you getting up in front of a thousand people and and you know sing your heart and soul out and I think she's bungee jumping right before my eyes because. From my point of view, that's just, that's impossible. That's like diving over a thousand foot uh, precipice and, uh, you know, yeah. being quite certain I'm going to hit the bottom. But for me, it's, it's it, what that brings to my mind is my own journey around that powerful emotion called fear. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I've, I, I think I've talked on this podcast before about how I've, I've been animated by fear from a very young age. And before I started to reflect on it and understand it, that fear could sometimes be paralyzing. But nonetheless, I somehow felt compelled to take the risks we've been talking about. And so part of the journey I want to celebrate is a, is a journey toward being becoming much more um, discerning about what, what a healthy fear looks like and what unhealthy yeah. fear looks like, mm-hmm. how to trace both of those to their sources and, and how to do something about it, especially with the unhealthy fear. Um, I think I've talked before about the fear I used to have of getting up in front of large audiences and giving speeches and realizing that if I trace that to its roots, it, it came from a, a misunderstanding about why I was up there in the first place. Mm-hmm. I thought I was up yeah. there to put on a show and get them to like me. And that, of course, generates a lot of negative, you know, potentially paralyzing fear. But if I realize that, no, that's not why I'm up there. I'm, I'm up there to serve them. Um, I'm up there to serve ideas and values that I care about and to serve the people who are sitting in front of me as best I can with my way of representing those ideas and values. That that becomes yeah. Yeah. A, a healthy fear of just uh, of reaching, aspiring to do the very best I can for those ideas and values and for the people who've come to hear me talk. Yeah, you. I think you mentioned last podcast that... Uh, you know, the, the scripture, be not afraid, doesn't mean that we won't have fear. It means that we don't have to mm. be our fear. And I, I kind of, um, you know, I'm thinking about that in terms of 
and, and past podcasts, we've been talking about bumping up against the growing edge and the fear that comes with that. But, but also kind of looking at what's healthy, you know, and what's maybe not, not really healthy kinds of fears. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There's this image that comes to me with the, the Mark Nepo quote. And I, I love that idea of that a rose at any moment of its slow blossoming, it's as open as it can be. There's something really compassionate about that. At that moment, you know, and at every point of the process, you know, a rose does not think it's any less because it's a bud or it's half open or now it's in full blossom. It's like, wow, I should really be a bud or I should, mm-hmm. I should really be in full blossom right now. No, it, it kind of opens as much as it can each day. And, and at every moment, there is a really, uh, there's, there's a beauty to where it is mm-hmm. at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And I know human beings are different than flowers, but, um, but there's something really beautiful in that metaphor that, that we're right where we need to be. I have a, my friend Suzanne is a, um, a weaver, and we, we've been talking about our lives together for a long time. She's a, a lovely and very um, wise person. And I, I don't know how many times we've been walking along and I've been talking about something in my life, and she'll just stop me and say, you're right where you need to be. Mm-hmm. You're right mm-hmm. where you need to be. And mm-hmm. it always puts me, um, well, it always stops me, and it always allows me to have a certain sense of compassion. Like, yes, I'm making decisions. Mm-hmm. This part is hard, or this is uncomfortable, or I'm making choices, or or I'm grieving something, or I'm celebrating, but I'm right where I need to be at this moment in time. Right. Um, that I don't have to be two years down the road right now. And mm-hmm. even though I'm taking information and and knowledge and encouragement from what's come before, I don't have to live there either. That I'm, right. I'm that I'm right here where I need to be. And I, I, you know, when I read the quote for the first time, there was just this wonderful sense of compassion. And yes, Carrie, you're right where you need to be. So I I really appreciate that that emphasis on you're right where you need to be right now. And it also occurs to me as I as I hear you talk that this is another thing we can recover from the past. Um, We can look back and we can say, whatever it is that I regret here at age 79 that I did at age 40, I was at age 40 doing what I needed to do in the moment, the best I knew how. Um, I may regret it from the standpoint of being twice that number of years old with twice that uh, as much experience, and maybe even wisdom. But at the time, that's what I needed to do. It was, it was the best I had. Yeah. Um, and, yeah. and so y- y- you can say I, 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 not only that I, I'm, I'm right where I need to be right now, but I was right where I needed to be back then yeah. and reclaim the past in that way. <laughs> There's a it, wonderful poem called, called uh, Thank You, Robert Frost, I think, where hmm. the poet says uh, that Frost was, was once interviewed, do you have hope for the future? And Frost says, yes, and I even have hope for the past. I love that. That we can redeem it is, is his point, that it may turn out to have been better than we thought it was if we retell our story in the right in the right way. And that everything has brought us here, you know, mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. Not, 
you know, when I look at my life and I think about doing the process we're talking about today, looking to our histories and celebrating and taking stock of, uh, when I look back, yep, I was doing about the best I could with everything I, mm-hmm. I knew at that time. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and it all brought me here. Nothing yeah. could have been left out for me to get to the place I am today. All of it may not have been easy mm-hmm. or even fair at times, but it all belongs. And there's a, mm-hmm. a sense of befriending your past, mm-hmm. you know, befriending mm-hmm. this journey that you've been on. We were talking before the podcast about this a song called The Beautiful Not Yet that talks about this idea of being in this moment, being here in the beautiful not yet. Well, I'm, I'm just so glad you mentioned that song, Carrie, The Beautiful Not Yet. I'd love to hear it. It's one of my favorites. Well... Yeah, the beautiful not yet. Um, I was, I was uh, walking around in uh, on the ridge top near my home. I, I live out in the middle of the woods, and um, it was springtime. And at this part of the country, there's a time after the last snows, but before the first buds open, and we think it's not very pretty around. You know, a lot of folks say, "Well, we're just waiting for that greenness to show up," you know. But as I was walking around, I realized that that the light was coming in in a way it doesn't happen any other time of year. You know, that it's cold and it's really clean and it's unencumbered by anything. Uh, and you can feel, you can kind of feel that all that life is, is moving up toward the surface and it kind of vibrates in a way. And that was beautiful. It was really beautiful, but not yet, you know? humming bits of something a melody the sample part a song that I once knew by heart juniper wild indigo foxglove lupin queen and lace will be coming The restlessness, the quickening, the almost but not yet. Muddy boots, last year's leaves, every spring that came before. All they were and something more The restlessness The quickening The almost but not yet La da 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 do you see, do you see, do you see it? Take a breath, hold oh, the restlessness, the beautiful not yet. 
There's a stirring, there's a sweetness at the edge of in-between. I feel it nearly trembling. The restlessness, the quickening, the almost but not yet. Hmm. Hmm. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And, it, you know, it's, it's such an interesting song to me because so much in life has to do with what we anticipate what, uh, in, in terms of what's coming at us, you know. And we're, we're quick to pick up the signals of danger, right? We're, as human beings, we're wired to do that. It's, it's in, the, it's in the, the primitive brain and the brain stem where the fight or flight reflex is held. We're just, we're just wired to be alert to signs of danger. But that song opens my eyes to the signs of beauty. Not, not there yet. I mean, I, re I remember writing an essay on spring once where I said something like, let me be honest about spring before it gets beautiful. It's plug ugly. Right, you know, you're <laughs> you're walking through mud that would suck your boots off if you gave it a chance, um, and and you know that was a step in the right direction because I acknowledged that it would get beautiful <laughs> sooner or later, but <laughs> but I think you know you in the middle of that song you say, do you see it? Do you see it? And I I I took that as a question to me. Do you see it, Parker? Can you can you see the beauty that's emerging? You know, even in these troubled times, as, uh, you know, politically and socially troubled times, as people open their eyes to what's really going on in this country and around the world, and has been going on for a very long time, but some of our eyes have been closed to it. And, and so it's, it's possible to imagine some very beautiful things coming out of this time of ugly struggle. And in fact, I think some of that beauty has already begun to emerge among us as people step up to citizen roles and to becoming more deeply engaged as members of the community who realize that we're all in this together and that what happens to the least among us, as it were, the poorest, the, the, the most the poorly fed, the most ill-housed, Yes. rebounds mm -hmm. on all of us. We are interconnected in a great web of life. And there's a beauty that's inherent in that realization, that, especially as it takes the form of action, uh, which attempts to, uh, to create the beloved community. And I see more of that going on these days than I have seen in recent years. And I've also seen and heard, as I've traveled and as I talked to people, uh, people very personally thinking and, and talking about and considering, you know, what's my part? Mm -hmm. You know, it's very easy to get overwhelmed out there. There's a lot of, there's a lot of sorrows in this world. And so it's, it's really heartening to me that I see people personally saying, you know, what is my part? I, I was thinking, to going back to that nature image of, you know, the seeds that come up in March or April, they they started a long time ago. Mm -hmm. You know, those seeds began their work um, in February, and they've been coming up through uh, through the earth, you know, 
getting to the surface for a while. Mm-hmm. Half, you know, there's a Marge Piercy poem that says, half of the tree is under the ground. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't always see what's happening yeah. just yet. And a lot but, of those seeds were yeah. laid down in the fall. When, you know, when laid we, down in we, the fall, yeah. When, when we bemoan the beauty that the trees are losing, the, the earth is also replanting itself with seeds. Yeah, and it's so, so I, I do... I do hold to this idea of the the beautiful not yet and the balance of that. And I think there's, I just think that one of the neat things that's just happened to me in the wake of your song and talking about this stuff is a new realization, I think, that I'm having at this very moment that, you know, that using nature metaphors to encourage us in the human world is not a, a futile exercise, because mm, there, yeah. there are there are living parallels, there are demonstrable parallels between what goes on in the world of nature and what goes on in the human world that we can learn from. We've just been naming some of those. Um, let me let me tell a quick story about one more. Um, my wife and I, as you know, recently got from, back from four weeks up north in the boundary waters of northern Minnesota. And in the cabin that we were staying in, there's a large picture window facing towards the lake. And late one afternoon, we saw a very small bird fly into that window at high speed. We, we didn't see it happen. Oh. We heard the clunk and we went to look. And here's oh. this very small brown bird lying in a flower bed just below the raised flower bed just below the window mm. in, the, in the bare dirt there. And... Um, we watched, fearing that this creature was dead, and actually started cupping our hands um, uh, as if we were holding that bird and making a sort of healing gesture. Just instinctively, the two of us did that. And um, it, it lay there in the dirt for the longest time, but we noticed that every now and then an eyelid would open or the beak would open or there'd be a, a little ruffling of feathers. But I think that that period of dormancy, when it looked like it might be dead, maybe went on for 10 minutes. And then the the eyes stayed open a little longer. The, the beak started moving more frequently. You could see him mm. st- start uh, to, to work yeah. his wings and his feet a little bit. A few minutes later, he, he got to his feet. Mm. Um, a few minutes later, he hopped slowly up to the edge of this flower bed. And a few minutes after that, he flew off into a nearby tree, which was, you know, led to applause from inside the house. <laughs> and, and a sense, I would have of, been with you. <laughs> a sense of, of real relief. But, you know, what struck me about that is that it, when I look back on my life, and the times I've flown into glass windows and knocked, <laughs> you know, knocked myself silly yeah. and, and, and found myself face down in the dirt. I didn't lie there and just try to absorb what happened. I hopped to my feet, embarrassed. You know, this shouldn't be happening to me. I've got to fly. <laughs> I've got to fly immediately to prove I'm a man or whatever. You know, I don't know. I have no idea what I was trying to prove. But it was something about my yeah. ego, uh, the yeah. humiliation of it all. And I thought about the wisdom of, of when you're knocked down to just stay down for a while and, 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 and yeah. re- absorb, renew, and, and heal. Um, 
reminded me of the time when I was with a friend from Japan who was sort of steeped in that culture and in, the, in those religious traditions. I, I slammed my um, finger, in, I think, in, the, in her door and hurt it badly, and I was sort of screeching and yelping and, and <laughs> moaning. And, and she said, no, she said, sit down, now lie down. She said, when you, <laughs> really? when you, when you hurt yourself, be still. Be still for as long as it takes to let that pain pass through, and it will pass through more quickly. You're, uh. you're exacerbating it with all your expressive emotionality around it. So I think there are these lessons from nature, you know, be, be like yeah. that bird, and then, then become the people who get up uh, when they're ready. Mm -hmm. And yeah. as you were saying earlier, ask, okay, what can I do? Where do I fly next to yeah. do what needs to be done in this suffering world? And I think there's something, um, you know, in terms of my, you know, the whole idea of mindfulness that that we as human beings, a lot of times, you know, when something doesn't feel good, you know, I'm in pain. Quick, do something, right. you know, change something, uh, start running, you know, and when the wisest thing that we could do is take a moment and be with it. And which is not always an easy, it sounds like an easy thing to do, but it's not an easy thing to do mm -hmm. to kind of be with what it, you know, what is difficult right now and, mm -hmm. and hard right now and mm -hmm. what feels like suffering right now. Mm -hmm. um, and then as it passes to be able to say, okay, now like that bird, I'm, I'm taking the step and then that step and that mm -hmm. step and now I'm going to fly. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm ready to fly now yeah. instead of saying I should go from knocked out to flying without any of that process in between. Yeah. Um, it's just not how I think, you know, most of the time it works in nature. Yeah, there's a great wisdom there. The natural world has so much. Uh, I read somewhere that we don't live days. We live moments. And I have a lot of times uh, in my my relationship with nature. I live out in the woods. I, I walk in the woods. I have this long time relationship with a piece of natural world. I know it now in ways that like I, I know my own hand. You know, this is where this is where the Dutchman's britches come up and this is where mm -hmm. um the these kinds of mushrooms will come and this is where that there's that beautiful beech tree that you know, it has a crook in its hip that looks like a woman holding a baby on it. You know, it's mm. like, I just, you know, when I uh, am present with that, you know, I'm always finding myself uh, in moments, you know, the moment when the bird happened for you and and mm. you learn something really valuable from, from watching, um, you know, that process. Uh, I'm walking on a path and I'm lost in thought and three beautiful golden leaves fall down. Mm -hmm. And the light hits them, and they're illuminated from the inside. And I stop, mm -hmm. and I'm in a moment of wonder, in a moment that I carry with me. I carry those three leaves with me. Mm -hmm. You carry that bird with you. Right, exactly. Can, you know, and um, so, yeah, there's a lot of wonderful metaphor in the in the natural world. And and it's um, almost it's almost as if it's even more immediately transferable to action than than the word metaphor might suggest. I mean, I've heard yeah. I've heard sophisticated people say, 
well, this is talk like this is nature romanticism, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I want to say that when I listen to your music, your songs, when I listen to, when I read Mary Oliver's poetry, I, I guess part of my own spiritual growth really as a person, and this is an interesting reclaiming that's happening in this very moment, um, on a podcast where we're talking about reclaiming uh, growth, for, for past growth that we haven't don't even recognize. I did not grow up in the natural world. I grew up in a suburb of Chicago, um, and so it took me a long time to understand that um, these that that there are actionable elements of the experience of nature. Uh, that you can learn a lot yeah. as a human being. It, nature, the bird doesn't have an ego. So the bird wasn't ego-driven to, to get up and fly right away. I have yeah. an ego, but on the, on, on the path of personal spiritual development, whatever you want to call it, I can learn to override that ego and just accept lying there in the dirt for a while <laughs> until yeah. I until I heal and embrace what's happened and 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 take that next step or that next flap of the wings that next that next flight and i think it it all goes back to mark nepo um, our friend mark nepo who's really quite a wonderful guy and quite a remarkable poet and essayist saying again as with the in the quote with which we started this podcast the simple rose at each moment of its slow blossoming, is as open as it can be. The same is true of our lives. There's, those are just a few simple words, that, but there's so much that um, I've found it helpful to explore this afternoon um, about yeah. how we approach uh, growing edges in our own lives, some of which we've already lived our way into. I think that's that's the big point, isn't it? Is that not all growing edges are out there somewhere and we need to struggle toward them. But some of them we've been living into for so long that we don't even recognize the trajectory, the pattern, the accomplishment of our own of our own growth. So this month's question of the month is an invitation to really celebrate all of that. Yeah, and I, I I guess as we kind of move to the closing of our our podcast, I guess this would be great just to ask takeaways. You know, what what are you taking away from this conversation today? Well, I, th- I think I'm taking away a bird in the hand, but not two in the, the bush. Uh, <laughs> 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 That's one possibility. Okay. No, I, th- I think I feel... <laughs> What I feel, I think, is, um, and I don't know that I can express this in terms of an idea or a concept, but I, I feel affirmed in a in a way that I guess sort of surprises me. I mean, affirmed from within by this conversation, this invitation to um, regather growth that has been with me so long. I've I simply take it for granted. And I find that hopeful because I'm a person who's always looking ahead and saying, okay, what do I need to achieve next? Mm -hmm. Um, And as a result of that, 
I've had a tendency over the years to work too much, to not pause often enough, to um, to not um, appreciate uh, enough. Um, as I've grown older, all of that has improved, I think, just kind of naturally. Um, but as I, as I wrote you when I was up north, Kerry, I came to a vocational decision up there about the years ahead as I approach my 80th birthday in a few months. And the vocational decision is I'm, I am no longer going to engage in anything that involves pushing large boulders uphill. Uh, <laughs> maybe, 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 maybe that's something we can talk about next time. But that's, those are my takeaways. I feel affirmed in, in that decision. And, you know, I've spent my whole life pushing large boulders uphill ever since I was 20. And um, the, the problem with that vocation is they always roll back down on you. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I'm going to cut to the chase and just uh, enjoy. Well, in terms of takeaways for me, um, you know, I have a couple takeaways. Um, and, and one is... Uh, similar to you in that that idea of reclaiming and uh, looking at history um, with a sense of appreciation as a sense of that we've been at several growing edges along the way and to be able to appreciate that um, I like you I can be a person that's really moving forward I'm passionate about my work. I'm passionate about my activism. I mean, you know, I, I can very much be in that culture of busy with everyone else. But, you know, this podcast really affirms, affirms that idea of being right where you are, of taking stock of where you've come and how far you've come, a sense mm-hmm. of compassion mm-hmm. for this journey you've been on so far. Mm-hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. And maybe even a little compassion for where we are going forward, because mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it's <laughs> it all belongs, like you said. That it all kind of belongs uh, in an interesting kind of way. You've been listening to The Growing Edge with Carrie Newcomer and Parker J. Palmer. Thank you for joining us today, and I hope you'll check out the next episode. And don't forget to visit our website, newcomerpalmer.com, so you can join in the conversation, too. And now we've got a favor to ask. If you like today's show, rate us and leave a review on iTunes. It's the best way to help us reach new audiences and bring more voices into the conversation. All the music you heard in today's show was written by our own Carrie Newcomer, and much gratitude to Gary Walters for performing the song The Clean Edge of Change. And wild appreciation for Alison Quantz for creative envisioning, direction, and production. And yes, she belongs too. <laughs> <laughs>